ladies and gentlemen, that is not the last time you're going to hear that song tonight because this is our first episode in 2017. This is Careless Whispers, and of course, that song is by a man who passed away since the last time that we had a show. So, Calvin, I will warn you now that uh, at various points throughout the show, I'm just going to hit that button, and I'm going to play that song. How do you feel about that? I mean, Rory, I hate to tell you how to do your job, but uh, we have another George Michael song as well uh, loaded up in the car. That's correct. We do, actually. So I, maybe I'll sneak that one in, too, because it's it, actually it's our first show since since that lovely uh, or since the, the lovely holiday that that song is about. So maybe maybe you'll hear that one in a while as well. than I thought it would be. But anyway, the point is I'm going to hit those those songs throughout the show because uh, for as a tribute to him. It's our first show since he passed away and as you all know, this is Careless Whispers with an S on CLNS Radio and uh, we blatantly copied his song title and put an S on it. Is that not true? That's completely true. We're totally uncreative people. Could not come up with a name, so we stole it from the master. George Michael, really good at naming podcasts. That's right. And uh, since nobody else could help us out with a name, that, that's what we stuck with, and that's what we've done for, I don't know, Calvin, we're probably creeping up on 150 or close to 200 episodes at some point. We're we're just machines over here on CLNS Radio. And uh, if, uh, if you want to give us a call, you can tonight at 323-642-1484. Uh, but we start as we tend to try to do around here with the Boston Celtics and uh, with one player in particular, a man who is getting MVP chance in the Boston garden, a man who I was calling to be traded last time we had this show, just because I thought he would have gotten the best return out of anybody on this team. Isaiah Thomas has ripped off an insane months to six weeks of basketball and uh, the the Celtics are riding high because of it Calvin nobody can stop this guy in the fourth quarter have you ever seen anything like that well not have you ever but when was the last time you saw a guy just totally dominate constantly in the fourth quarter at his height because we see a guy like Russell Westbrook do it night in night out but he is taller and, and stronger than Isaiah Thomas Isaiah has found a way to score 20 plus points a game and a lot of those in the fourth quarter for the last month or so with ease. And it, it's shocking to me. I mean, it depends on how you want to define dominate, right? Because if you, if you talk about a guy who can dominate a game, you can, you can throw a guy like Chris Paul in there at, at you know, even six feet tall, but he's not scoring like I say is scoring right now. If you're talking about a guy who's just getting buckets night in and night out, at the, at his size, you know, you basically have to go back to to Allen Iverson, and before that, maybe I, the other Isaiah Thomas, right? We're yep. talking about just tiny guards who who are scoring at the rate that they're scoring at, and he's just an amazing player to watch because I, you know, so so often it's it's just you know you know what's amazing about him is up like Iverson, 
it doesn't seem like Isaiah jumps that high. Isaiah does not. He, he's not particularly athletic to me. The way I, the way Allen Iverson's like supreme athleticism was evident on the basketball court. It, right. It's really like he. His like complete mastery of like ball handling and changing and changing of directions on a dime is obviously. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. No, not only that, but he he makes like basically trick shots every night. You'll you'll see him make trick shots. So it's Allen Iverson made a habit of getting guys to try and d him up and then blow by them and for an open jumper or an open layup, what have you. Isaiah Thomas apparently doesn't need to be open. To, to score points because he makes trick shots over other players basically one one or two times every game. Yeah, you're right. And he, he has a sense of where the rim is at all times. Like, sort of, you know, like in that Steve Nash way where he, he used to do those trick shot layups too. A, a smaller guard who would just, you know, get his arm up there and you see bigger guys sort of waving their arms around him and he just manages to weave through them in, in these incredibly impressive ways. Um, and, and jumpers too. He arcs some, he arcs some jumpers over taller players sometimes and they go in and I just look at them and I, I just have no idea how it, that even happens so often. I mean, you can, you can fall into that a few times over the course of a season if you keep doing it. But he has, I don't know the exact numbers. He seems to be doing it at a pretty high efficiency rate. Uh, apparently, since, he, since he's gotten back, he's shooting 52% from the field. So, I mean, can't get too much better than that, right? As a, as a yeah, point guard. I'm saying, no, and a lot of those shots are crazy shots, and you can't expect them to go yeah. in, but they do go in for him quite often. It's like, honestly, I, I don't want to compare him to this player because overall the breadth of his career has not – been this guy and it probably never will be but he's reminding me of some of the shots that Kobe Bryant would hit at at times and granted he's a bigger player but he was taking shots for a good three-year period there Calvin that you're just like there's no way that's going in and bang 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 every shot the guy took was going in this it seems to be like Isaiah's on a a little bit of a, a role like that well it's funny that you're mentioning Kobe Bryant Rory because I I I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, Kobe Bryant right now has the NBA record for uh, most points scored in a fourth quarter for a season at 9.6 or 9.5, rather, in 2006. Now, the thing about this record is, like, for some reason, the NBA's only been keeping track of this for 20 years. Although, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to go back. Well, maybe you wouldn't. To go back no, it's it's tough because they are slow to adapt stats in the NBA, and and they have been for they always add a couple new stats here or there over the years. Uh, but I mean, they they only started recording blocks like thirty years ago or thirty five, right? Right. Well, blocks blocks would are, are definitely difficult because if you go back to the like you know Chamberlain, uh, Bill Russell era, a lot of those those games weren't even televised, so like. Yeah, but that's my that's my point though. Like they they don't have they didn't have box scores by quarter for each player. They had the box score for the player, and they would keep the quarter for the team, and it was like that forever. And I I don't I think it's just recently that, or relatively recently that they've been doing the quarter by quarter statistics. Yeah, apparently only, only twenty years, but it just seems like it'd be pretty easy to like figure out what Michael Jordan, for example four-quarter scoring was, I, I feel like he had to be well, up there. Yeah, considering how many shots I remember him taking in a fourth quarter, I feel like somebody's going to take up that project. But anyway, 
officially the record belongs to Kobe Bryant in 2006 with 9.5. Do you know where Isaiah Thomas is at right now, Ray? I don't know where he's at, but I'm guessing it's it's close to nine, if not higher than nine. Uh, it's 10.1. Oh, which, see there? He, I, he, he's over, I'm even underestimating him. He's doing more than I, even me, watching with my eyes every night, can realize that he's not that getting just nine points a game in the fourth quarter. He's got that extra free throw. It's impressive. Yeah. Well, well it, it would break the all-time record for fourth quarter scoring, which I, I, I find this interesting about Isaiah, like – why? Why specifically he's he's uh, this player? Because he's sort of always been that, right? He was also even coming off the bench in Sacramento. I remember him being like their fourth quarter weapon that they went to. It seemed like he would score the majority of his points uh, in the fourth. He, you know, he did that in Boston his first couple of years. He's just he's just taking it to an entirely new level now. Why do you think? Do you think it's him just, like, focusing on, on now it's my time in the fourth quarter and now I'm going to just try to score every time I get the ball? Or What do you think it is about the fourth well, quarter specifically? And, and I, I, think that, I think that the Celtics have finally figured out that he's the only consistent scorer on their team for an entire game, right? So they try and get other guys going throughout the game, and if they find that Avery Bradley's knocking down shots or Kelly Olenek's knocking down shots, Maybe maybe they'll run a play for them in the fourth quarter and try and get them going there too. But if nobody's knocking down shots, if nobody's consistently scoring throughout a game besides Isaiah, he not only is going to just take control on the court by himself, but I'm sure Brad Stevens is saying, all right, Isaiah, just get to the hole, do, do your thing, like let's run a play for Isaiah. Somebody set a screen for him, get him open, we're going to run you guys, whatever. Whatever the play may be, they're going to focus on him. So it's a game-by-game basis, and it just so happens that, I mean, Bradley's been out a little while. He, didn't, he hasn't really found his jump shot this year anyway, so he's not, he hasn't been reliable in the fourth quarter as far as scoring is concerned. The point is the Celtics don't really have another option, and they're finally just going to Isaiah. So my concern, though, is that he's going to – just continue to do it and keep going at, at this pace, and that's fine. He breaks the record, but if he gets too confident, and yes, being too confident down there is a problem when you start going up against Valanciunas on Toronto or against whatever goon Cleveland is going to roll out that's going to be a seven-footer and is going to try and block slash follow you, and yeah, maybe he gets to the free-throw line, but there are going to be instances where they don't call fouls in the playoffs and that is where I'm going to pump the brakes on Isaiah Thomas just a little bit. He's been amazing. He's been awesome. It, I, I'm in awe of him. But when it comes to playoff time, I always have to look forward to this. I'm not looking forward to it, but I, I'm looking forward. You see what I'm saying? He, he's going to yeah. get swallowed up in the paint, and that's not a good thing. They, they need to find another player or multiple players that can actually knock down a jump shot so that he can still get to the lane and feel confident that he can kick the ball out and somebody's going to score and he doesn't have to all, do it all himself. Well, there's an argument to be made, and I, I think that, you know, past performance sort of may, has made Celtics fans skittish, and maybe that uh, put into somewhat of why you wanted to trade Isaiah, or the, you know, the last time we had the, this conversation, other than value. But Isaiah Thomas right now is, is the fourth leading scorer in the NBA. He's fourth. And I feel like he, like, I don't, I, it's just fascinating to me because I, I wonder if it's 
market, or is it because of the defense? But then you, but then you, you take a look at a guy like James Harden, and he's not exactly known for his defense. What do you think it is that's keeping Isaiah Thomas from from being like considered a star in the NBA? Do you think it's the fact that he got off to what you could argue is a slow start, although he's always been a good player? Or do you think it's it's sort of that he's slowly becoming become better in a way that's like not interesting enough to be dramatic? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think people probably don't put enough emphasis on the fourth quarter. I mean, the NBA for a while um, had this had that stereotype that all you had to do was watch the the last two minutes of a game, and it's to, to some extent it still is that way. Unless you're a fan of the game, you actually want to watch basketball. The casual fan can tune in at five minutes with five minutes left and see what's going on for the most part. Um, but I think the NBA tried to get away from that, so they they themselves de-emphasized the fourth quarter, in my opinion. And um, people don't really look at that as as something that makes a star. They want they want somebody to do that all the whole game, or they want someone to do that for an entire season. And they're not focusing on the clutch aspect of it. If this if this was was baseball, then you would have to give David Ortiz credit for for him hitting home runs in extra innings towards the end of games in key situations, not driving runs in for the Red Sox and winning games. It's, it's the same thing for Isaiah. It's the fourth quarter. It's, it's crunch time. It's go time. It's, you you have to, you have to give him credit for being able to perform in those situations and not, and he said it before, not the fourth quarter is not for everyone. And there are guys that have killer instincts and can score Colby Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James to, to, to a great extent over his career, but not night in, night out. But that's a different story. But, but, I mean, the point is, Calvin, that Isaiah should be looked at as a star. He is an all-star for sure. I just I, – I still think that they need another player to go along with him that can actually knock down a jumper. And, and that, yeah. uh, until they get that, I, I don't see them making much noise in the playoffs. Well, Murray, he's, he's fourth in the NBA overall in scoring. It's not just the fourth quarter. Look, the only the only guys scoring more points per game than him are Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and James Harden. Oh, I know. That's, I, but I know. That's, they, but are those are those players going to take their team to an NBA championship? That's what we're looking for around here. And people can't. No, no, no. I'm not talking about I don't want. I don't want people to forget about that. Okay, we 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 can talk about that if you want. But but my point is is Anthony Davis yeah he's not going to lead the Pelicans to an NBA championship but but nobody questions whether or not he's a superstar nobody questions whether or not Anthony Davis can be the number one guy on a team right they just question whether or not the team around him is good enough um, my question to you is why why has Isaiah Thomas not gotten oh. enough at, at this point to be to say yeah Isaiah is good enough to be the number one guy on the team but maybe the team is not good enough around him why are we not there oh, with him? I'm there with him. I mean, he's he actually not for an NBA championship, but for right now, of course, he's the best player on the team. That's I mean that that's well, why that's is he clear. Not, not, that he's, not that he's as good as Anthony Davis or or Russell Westbrook. Well, I think like, I think but, he actually hasn't why, been doing it for that long. He, he, this is the first year or let's say two year span where he's just consistently been that way. He was in Sacramento for a while. Nobody really notices him. He's small, so people don't look at him as, as a guy that's going to last, I, I guess. This is all straw man. This is not coming from me. Don't don't criticize me out there. Um, 
uh, I, I don't know. I, I I think that he has proven himself over the last month that he can definitely be a, a leader of a team and a, a guy that brings his team to win. And they're certainly deficient around him right now because there's a lack of talent surrounding a guy at this level. They need more talent to step up at this point. Um, or else I'm they're not going to really go anywhere. But as far as he is concerned, yes, he's he is their all-star. He is their superstar. And, if they, man, if they could find another guy to, to score some points consistently, then I think that he could definitely be a, a good tandem to go forward and, and make some noise. But they still need to get those players. So is it, does that answer I'm, the question? Gonna, uh, no, not really. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison that, I, that I'm looking at right now that I find interesting. Let's, let's, let's compare Isaiah Thomas to Damian Lillard, okay? Because I, I, I think it's a good comparison because there's Damian Lillard not any better than Isaiah Thomas in defense. We can all agree Isaiah Thomas is not a good defender. Uh, I, I saw the stats that uh, the Celtics' uh, team efficiency when uh, Isaiah's on the floor, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter, it, it goes up to like 120 points per 100 possessions, but their defense goes to like 114 points possession. So, yeah, that's a problem. I, I hear that argument, you know. But, again, Damian Lillard, not any better at defense. I think he's shooting better from the field, scoring more points, uh, shooting a better percentage from three, so his, his effective field goal percentage is higher, and he's shooting 90%, almost 91% from the line. Also better than Damian Lillard well, really well from the line. But the point is, is if I ask 99% of the laymen throughout, maybe Celtics fans, are at this point already with this guy, but I, probably not everybody is, but from the majority of them. But I just feel like nationally, he's he's not getting sort of that consideration. And again, I sort of feel like it's because he's he's built his he's built his game up slowly and just just gotten a little bit better every year. And that's not really interesting as a narrative. And thus, okay. he sort of slowly built himself up into this guy. But to my mind, he's he's so, basically as good. How, what, like, what about Damian Lillard is better? All right, so you're talking, you're talking about the layman, right? The, would you would you say that the layman, the the general fan out there, would vote in the All Star ballet? Uh, sure, but but keep in mind, okay, the let's, Eastern let's, Conference, the Eastern Conference is the Eastern Conference. I mean, that, but go ahead, give, give me sure. Points. But you still you still have a clear leader in the Eastern Conference, which is Kyrie Irving. He has almost a million votes right now at, at the guard position. Okay, in the West to compare, Steph Curry is. Still, almost in a million votes, not not quite there, but higher than Irving. And they also have James Harden that's up over 900,000. Damian Lillard only has 200,000 votes in the Western Conference. And Isaiah Thomas has 400,000 in, in the East. So, I just – there are still three players ahead of Isaiah in the East that are getting votes. So, I understand that the numbers are, are heavier in the West, and it's, it's tougher for Lillard to crack that, that position. But I, I just think that people are starting to realize that Isaiah Thomas is the real deal. And it, it, it's going to take a little while because he needs to do it more consistently. These other guys have been scoring at, a, at this pace for a, a long time. And Isaiah, for whatever reason, has bounced back and forth from uh, even from the Celtics rotation. He wasn't starting immediately when he got here, right? So it, it even took him time once he started playing with the Celtics to work his way up to that superstar potential and, and superstar status. 
So when he starts to say that he's going to want the money this offseason, he's, he's proving it. He's putting his money where his mouth is right now. He's proving that he deserves I mean, it. I, I, I don't really think that works out because, just because I think if you move Kyrie over to the West, he's definitely losing out on votes to, to Harden and Westbrook and Curry and then probably Chris Paul as well, right? So just, just by moving Kyrie know, over maybe. to the West, I think maybe Chris Paul, maybe not. I think he, Clay but Thompson I think is out of Chris play. Paul right now. By a lot. Those first, well, I, oh yeah, Warrior, Warrior bias obviously comes, okay, comes into okay, play. Okay, here we go. Now you want to talk particulars of the all-star voting. But anyway, oh, well, I brought wait, it up. Wait, so. Well, Doc Pachulia is starting for the, for the all-star game. So def- the Warriors definitely have uh, the ability to sway some votes. That's right? true. Pachulia <laughs> is starting for the all-star game, which is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Yeah, but I don't think- I don't think that's reflective of of some idea that Pachulia is getting more respect than he deserves. It's just a Warriors fan. But how is Pachulia getting? But how is he getting more votes than Draymond Green? That's outrageous. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that at it's all. It's a mockery. That's like that's like if if people were to vote Brian Scalabrini into the All Star game. It's a mockery. It's terrible. It has to be some some sort of organized trolling, right? I would think so. Seems that way. He's got almost as many votes as Kevin Durant. Are you kidding me? Like, let's just I support step it. back here. <laughs> you support it anyway. Uh, let's let's yeah. finish this point, and then uh, what do you say we take a call? Uh, sure. Did you want to Did you want to get in uh, your thoughts about the uh, power rankings? I know you had a quick thought about Olenek. Do you want to get that in? Before oh you yeah. There was there was just a, a quick little article on boston.com that came out the other day by i believe brian robbins from celtics hub but don't quote me on that i know he was at some point um he has vaulted kelly olenek to the fourth best performing player on the celtics and i'm pretty sure that he's looking at it just week to week and not taking the whole season into into account which i hope that's the way he's looking at it because he's dropped Avery Bradley a couple spots and he hasn't really played. But to to my mind, power rankings should factor in an entire season. If the New Orleans Pelicans rip off four wins in a week, they're not going to be considered one of the top four teams in the league. I know the numbers are different. The rosters are only 12, 15 men deep, but it just, to me, it seems like a, a little bit of a, aggressive push of Kelly Olenek and I just wanted to rip on El- Olenek a little bit because he's had a couple of good games here and he's starting to find his shooting stroke which which is good but at the same time I, I still I just I think that he's a step slow on the defensive end and he still kind of looks lost out there sometimes so he still has a ways to go and I just I think that guys like Bradley even though his first game was just last night back from that injury. And even Marcus Smart are performing better than Kelly Olenek night in, night out. So I just thought it was a little aggressive by Brian Robb over there on Boston.com. I mean, I, I think that the uh, the dropping of Avery Bradley, that, that seems to me to be more of a difference in philosophy than, than him trying to say that Bradley's played better. I mean, Bradley's played worse even over the, over the last week. He's just sitting him, obviously, right, because of the injury. So that's that's more of like a difference of a philosophy between you and him than, than a difference of, like, he thinks Avery Bradley at any point in the season has is, is not been as good as, as Olenek. So really your, your issue to me seems to just mainly be that you think – uh, Olenek should be dropped below Smart, right? Now, I think that's fair too, considering Olenek's injury uh, injury history. But it's just funny because 
yeah, you have not been Marcus Smart's biggest supporter this season. No, it's, it's, definitely not. But I've been I've been really all over Kelly Olynyk. I thought he I th- think that he's been terrible, and I, I understand he's been coming back from injury and all that, and it takes time to work back. Uh, but to to the point that I make with Jay Crowder, who's now finally healthy and playing wonderfully, he's playing excellent. He's back to his old form. If you're not ready to come back, don't come back. And I think that Kelly came, might, may have come back a little too early, and they just started rolling him out there all the time. And he just he, he took a long time to get into the groove. So if this the last week is what we're going to see from Kelly Olenek the rest of the way, then that's that's wonderful. I would love to see that. And I'm just not going to believe it till I do see it. All right, fair enough. Let's go to the call. Bernie, are you muted again? What's happening here? Oh yeah, that's my mistake. I I thought I was muted, so I hit the button, and I wasn't at that point. So whatever. Um, anyway, this this gentleman called three two three six four two one four eight four, and uh, he was at the Celtics game last night, and I noticed that he tweeted me before the show to say he was going to call. That's how I know who it is. It's the one and only Hector in Providence. Hector, man, how was the game last night? I, I was there too. I saw you uh, hanging out down at the media set, the media area, and I hope you enjoyed it because I did. It was a great game. Hey, Matt. Hey, Calvin. Um, I didn't even know you were at the game until you tweeted me that you saw me with uh, Amanda Flugrad. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a great game. Uh, I was hoping to see you somehow. Like I thought you were like right near where I was, but unfortunately that wasn't meant to be. Um, the game was great. Uh, this was my fourth time since March of last year that I went to a game, and you know I've been watching Isaiah play and how I've been put it this way. We've come a, I've come a, as a fan, I've come a long way from after Pierce got traded. Watching Isaiah Thomas play has softened a blow on on that because we're fine. I'm, you know, we're seeing the team grow and you know be be fun. You know, be <clears throat> be a great team. But I also Matt agree with you. I look. I put it this way. Even when we got Al Horford, and Al Horford's been decent for us, I never viewed this team as championship caliber, at least not yet. I agree that I would love to make a trade to um, to bring in another player, another impact player, you know, so that we can finally be on that level with Cleveland or, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe a Golden State. Who knows? Um, obviously, we're not there yet. Um, but for me personally – you know, I would love to see I want I want to see Isaiah be here long term. That's just me. I'm sure there's a lot of people that will be afraid of his because of the way he plays that, you know, point guards tend to uh decline as they hit like their 30s and all, which you know, any player in the NBA or in sports for that matter will do. But, you know, just the way he's been playing, he's been so exciting for me as a fan seeing this team just everything, being just being at that game last night, being at the game back in March, being at the game back in, 
November, being at the game back in December. You know, I've been I've been to three games in three straight months, a game a month, and you know I've seen Isaiah turn it up. I've seen the team, you know, do well and win. So it's just been overall the ride now has been great, and um, you know it's it's, it's, been, it's been fun. That's all I gotta say. All right, Hector. Uh, so let me ask you this question. Uh, Isaiah comes up for free agency, right? Are you paying him the yeah. max or now? Uh, well, the CBA is going up, right? It is. It is? Yes, sir. Hmm. Uh, I mean, be a lot of money. Yeah, that that is going to be a lot of money, but... I mean, I wouldn't give him everything he he wants. I wouldn't give him like two hundred million or anything. I I wouldn't go that crazy. Don't go. Don't get it twisted. Obviously, like just north of a hundred would be all right. And so basically, you honestly, think that like, he so he should be like the second player on the team, and we should they should bring in somebody else that's better. And that's what what I was saying last month. And he's starting to show that he, I, in my opinion, is definitely a number two. It's not the number one, and I'm starting to lean towards one if he keeps doing this and keeps getting to the line and scoring at will. Um, but, I mean, it, I, I think that they need to go get still a player that's better than him. And, Calvin, I know you're going to say he's the top – he's number four scorer in the league. I'm not saying a better scorer than him, but if they could find an all-around player that people look at and they say that player all-around is considered to be better than Isaiah Thomas on both ends of the floor – I know there's only five or six of them in the league. They could find a way to pry one of those guys away. Then they're in business. Otherwise, they, they still have some work to do. Yeah, I mean, of course, they, they have some work to do in terms of, of winning a title. And I'm not – I wasn't saying – you know, the guy I compared him to was Damian Lillard. I'm not saying that he's, he's you know, Harden or that he's Anthony Davis. But I just think that he's – you know, if you just look around the, the teams around the league, and I think part of it is – also with Isaiah is you sort of don't have the feeling of upside with him that maybe you do like if you you know you get a guy like Giannis or like a guy even a guy like a Porzingis who's like a younger dude who hasn't hit his ceiling like you you probably you don't feel the same way about Isaiah because he is what he is and he's he's never going to be a great defender but I just feel like I don't know I just sort of feel like he's not getting his due and at this point and I I'm taking up first cause I guess all right, fair enough. Hector, what's up next, man? You got another game up your sleeve or what? Oh, that, it's funny you mentioned that because I told, like, as I was leave, as I was, as I was talking to Amanda Flugrad last night as well, I told her I have one more game up my sleeve, and she was like, "Oh, <laughs> um, what about playoffs? You're gonna come by for the playoffs, right?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm not. I'm not rich or anything, you know," and. um I mean, I got I got one more game at least, probably most likely in March. Most likely in March, I'll be there, and and that's the, and I'll, I'll leave you guys with this before before you guys take a break or whatever. You know, thank God that they got this this girl to to be covering the Celtics because <laughs> trust me, you know she could not. With all due respect to the likes of Molly McGrath and Emily Austin, whoever, I'm glad that they got. Amanda Flugrad to cover the team because she has been a breath of fresh air covering this team and everything. So just just the overall culture change from cover like inside and outside the team has been 
breath of fresh air. Isaiah Thomas, Brad Stevens, etc. So I'm I'm just enjoying the ride. Hopefully, with the trade deadline like just you know just around the corner, hopefully the seas can 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 do something. Hopefully with those Brooklyn Nets picks, because I personally don't want. I know I'm in the minority. I would love to get another All Star player on this team, and then like you said, Matt, we're in business. So we'll see what happens. All right, man. Sounds good. Hopefully Hector. I can see you at the garden, dude. So hopefully yeah, I man. Let me know which game. Let, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know which game that is, and I'm I'm going to a bunch of games in March, so we'll see. If you, if you let me know, I'll try and come down and find you. I'm usually sitting up in the balcony. I just got lucky the other, last night. Um, but uh, good I, to hear I, I, from I, I, you, man. I, 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 it's, it's been a while. I'm glad I'm glad you're still you're, you're doing well and uh, enjoy the the rest of the. the season when you're whether you're watching it at home or whatever and that game that you get to in march like i said let me know and uh that's gonna be a I'm, fun I'm one right, too I'm regardless right, of which one it is i'm i'm right near my seats are now gonna be like right near the media right near sean grandy and cedric maxwell and that's where amanda flugrad is there as well nice. so that's where that's where i'll be that's where i'll definitely be for the game in march all right dude all right guys Great. peace good to hear from you buddy <clears throat> There he goes, Hector in Providence, uh, hanging out, hanging out by the media. Yeah, to sneak his way in. Yeah, I know. I know this is slightly off topic, but uh, I actually went to uh, the Kings game yesterday at, at, uh, for Martin Luther King Day, and uh, I sat. I had really good seats near the floor. Uh, somebody had bought some charity tickets and, and given them to me, hundred fifty dollar tickets. Um, yeah. So when you've seen it live. Hockey doesn't suck that much. I just wanted to report, report back. Hockey, not that bad left. Hockey, hockey, not terrible up close. All right, so Calvin yep. maybe might be starting to think about talking about some hockey at some point around here, folks. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something? Talking, talking some Kings, some Kings ice yeah, little, action? Yeah, should I, should I develop some takes on the Bruins? Did you that yeah, just you, dropped Hector I, off? He's, I, he's tired. He's tired of that talk. Or he he just left. Um, <laughs> did you uh, did you note who scored the goals or anything like? Did you pick up on any players' names? You know anybody now? Uh, well, I I can give you some more just generalized hockey talk if you want. Uh, yeah, no, I I did not pick up on who scored the goals. The Kings lost two to one. Um, but the, my my issue with hockey is it, it it sort of feels random. Like I can't really tell who's good. Everybody sort of feels like they're the same skill level. And when somebody scores, it it just you know what it is. It's like they go down there. They they have a play that like it looks good, and the goalie blocks it. And then they have they go down, and then and then they try to score again. And like that time, it happens to go off someone's skate and go in. You know what I mean? It just feels incredibly randomized to me whether or not a team scores a goal. And I think the the, uh, the playoff results and who wins the Stanley Cup year in and year out uh, backs my assertion. So if you don't like it, too bad, hockey fans. <laughs> too bad, hockey fans. That's the, the hockey minute for yeah. 2017. You won't hear any more until maybe the Stanley Cup finals if the Kings are back in it from Calvin. There you go. Um, you, got, you might have some hockey talk, right? Really I might day. eventually have some hockey talk because you know what? I think the, the coach is on the hot seat right now. And it, it's funny because the, the hockey talk around Boston today was that uh, Claude Julien has not been fired, even though his team lost four, nothing to the team who fired their coach today. 
uh, in the New York Islanders fired their coach and they lost or they beat the Bruins four nothing the other night. So there's a little bit of clamoring for the coach to get fired here because the Bruins are on the cusp of having a lost another lost season, which I, I believe is the third in the last four years where they haven't even made the playoffs. And it's it's just becoming something that people are pissed off about around here, quite frankly. So there might be a point where I do start to rip into the Bruins. But until until they, they really start to fall flat on their faces, uh, I won't really have much to say either. Um, but we do have more okay. NBA talk for the, for the people that listen to this show for that. We're basically becoming an NBA show. That's fine. Well, we have some football stuff. I mean, look, look at this. I was like, we're not going to have enough show. 40, we just 40 ate up 40 minutes on the Celtics and Isaiah Thomas – and uh, yep. talking to Hector. I just talked too long. That's really the problem. Anyway, um, that's, yeah. What else do we have? That's why you know what we sh- we should get paid to do this show, and it should be in the afternoon, so then we can just do it for hours, and everything oh, yeah. would be fine. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Except that I'm on the West Coast, and at some point I'm going to end up with a job. Although while I'm job this week, we can re- consider rescheduling this for earlier. I. <laughs> I really could have just started the show at 4 o'clock and it would have been fine. Uh, in any case, Rui, you said you did not see the Cavs Warriors game, right? That's okay. Uh, I didn't need to see the game. They, the Warriors yeah. won by 35. LeBron got his, his face beat in by uh, Draymond Green. He almost died last night. It was, it was, it was really a, a tragedy. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that he's okay, you know? The only other thing you need to see was uh, Kevin Durant's amazing stuff on, on LeBron when he was going for that two-handed dunk, which I'm sure you probably also saw somewhere, right? But uh, that doesn't even matter. It was just a cool highlight. Let me say something about LeBron going down, though, on that play. I'm just going to say it. You can call me a hater if you want. He flopped. LeBron flopped. Of course. I'm not, I'm not saying Draymond didn't. I'm not saying Draymond didn't didn't deserve a flagrant foul there because he did. He definitely like ran into LeBron's shoulder with the mm-hmm. with the intent of hurting him. But then LeBron's like, but but on a, a play two minutes later, I watched uh, Sean Livingston try to grab LeBron as he went by, and LeBron didn't even slow down as he as he literally just blew blew up Livingston's body on his way to the rim. You're telling me yeah, LeBron he doesn't care going, about Sean Livingston. He can he can knock Livingston over. He knows that if he's going to get a hit by Draymond Green, he's probably just going to have to stand his ground or if he wants to get the real the real bigger or the bigger penalty he he goes to the floor that's the way it goes right. if, if that hit if LeBron was just standing his ground or even running full speed and Draymond hit him like that and he just reacted naturally and just let his body just do what it's supposed to do and he probably wouldn't have hit the ground at all he probably would have maybe taken a, a step or two backwards and then been able to if he had any aggression in him at all, like the old days, he would have gotten right back in Green's face. But instead, he laid on the floor until the referees blew the whistle and went to look at the replay. Yeah, that, that's basically what I was getting at. He was running full speed. It's not like Draymond, you know, hit him with like a, a tackle and wrapped up on him, or like even hit him with both, like stuck his head into LeBron's stomach. No, he, it's a bit he, of a clothesline. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, Bond's going to bounce off that or, or probably even more likely run through it in most situations. So I think he made it look way worse than it was, but it definitely was an intentionally cheap play on, on behalf of Draymond. Okay, and then so that's, that's where you would bring in the intentional foul back to play, not, not necessarily a flagrant foul, because I didn't think it was flagrant. It was certainly intentional. Uh, that's, the intentional foul rule doesn't exist anymore, though, right? I know, but that's why I'm saying they should bring that back into play because that, it makes sense in that situation. And you just avoid – you just write something into the rule that says not not in the case of fouling by wrap-up to send a guy to the free-throw line or whatever you – however you have to word it. Like if somebody's just going to touch foul you to send you to the free-throw line, that's not an intentional foul in that situation. It's more of, of the situation where it's not necessarily a flagrant. It's borderline, but it's clearly that that's – he wasn't going after the ball. He was going after the player. Uh, that's where I think that they should draw the line there because I don't, I don't believe that they really deserve the extra free throws and whatever fines. They should just, it should be a downgraded situation as far as a flagrant is concerned. I feel like that has more intent to injure in, in, in uh, consideration. And to me, Calvin, I don't know. You think that he was trying to hurt LeBron James. I don't, I don't know about that. I think that he was just trying to foul him hard, and who knows? You can't really figure out intent, and that's where the gray area begins. No, I didn't say necessarily that he wanted LeBron to be injured, but I definitely think he wanted LeBron. I think the message he was sending there was that, like, you know, pretty much LeBron, like, you look like you're going to come for a layup. I'm going to hit you and make sure you don't get that layup, and I'm going to hit you hard to make sure you know not to try to get that layup. And I, I think that's why I enjoyed that game so much, and especially afterward. Where um, this, is, this is why I like this. This is what I, I love about Cavaliers Warriors, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it. Because one, I love sports hate, and these teams clearly hate each other. But what's amazing about it is LeBron is so passive aggressive that he can't he can't ever fully commit to that. So after the game, I don't know if you saw this, Ray, but LeBron. Uh, said that he doesn't consider the Warriors rivals. He's like, yeah, we played twice in the finals, but then he was like, when I was with Miami, we played San Antonio twice, and we weren't rivals. So uh, this team really isn't our rival either. And then they went to Draymond, and he was like, yeah, I don't really care what he says. I think we're, we're rivals. I think we're rivals. And he can say what he wants. And it's just so... It, and, and that hit was such a perfect encapsulation of like what LeBron and Draymond are, and then and then even after the game, it's such a perfect encapsulation of what they are. Which is LeBron is this like he, you know to go into uh, wrestling parlance, LeBron is like the cowardly heel. You know what I mean? He's the guy who's like he says all these all these things that he's like trying to trying to act nice and then he's gonna like sneak up behind you and you know, hit you with the trash can and kick you through a play glass with them. He's that guy. But Draymond is just like this overt supervillain who's like so like you should have seen the look the huge smile on his face after he he, he hit LeBron. He just he just goes to the bench and then he gets hit with only the the uh the flagrant one and he's just got this evil grin on his face. It's like I I enjoyed this so much. Like He's just outright a, a, like a, a villain, and he enjoys it so much that I I just find it amazing. But and then LeBron's just like not wanting to even admit it's a thing when he's like so sensitive and so obviously hurt by it. That's amazing to me as well. 
Yeah, I think that uh, Draymond Green definitely plays the villain really well. He, he's, I mean, he, he's been kicking guys in the balls, you know, for he's been caught a few times, and I'm sure there have been times where he's tried to do it and it hasn't worked, or uh, he has gotten away with it and people just haven't noticed. Although in this age of cameras, maybe they would notice every time. Who knows? Uh, the point is that he, he's, he's known for making dirty plays, so I'm not surprised by him trying to be a villain. And LeBron James just wants to be loved by everybody, Calvin. We've known that forever. And, I mean, sorry, LeBron. Sometimes your smugness just makes you unlovable. Get over it. Uh, let me just say this one more thing, too. For, for Warriors fans who are like, you know, hiding, patting themselves on the back for this game, great game. Uh, and sure, yeah, they needed that win. They needed to, uh, you know, make a statement to the Cavs. But really, they didn't. This, like this game and the game before, where the Cavs were down 14 and they came back and won, n- neither of those games matter at all, Rory. Because it, it, it seems like every year, if we, you know, we, we try to look at these games during the regular season, it's because we don't have that much to talk about. It, and they, we say, like, who's going to win in the finals? And even assuming those two get to the finals, and I, I don't think that's a super unfair assumption, it's still going to come down to, like, little adjustments in who's the guy who you can't play on the floor when you play the same team seven times in a row. You know what I mean? Like, when people forget, like, right now the Warriors and the Cavs are just playing their rotations, the same rotations they play all year. When you play a team in the playoffs, there are guys, there are guys who will play one series and then, like, not play at all the next series. It happens with the Celtics. It happens with every playoff team because that team, that player doesn't match up well with the specific team that they're playing against. So it'll be a different thing when these teams are playing a series that's entirely designed to match up with each other as opposed to them just playing their regular season basketball. Yeah, I'm with you. And I was going to say that too, is that it's totally different in a series than it is during the regular season, especially when they're only playing twice. Sometimes now in, in the NBA, you see these, these series within the, the conference where teams will play each other back to back or they'll play each other twice in four nights and you sort of get a feel for the other team and then maybe you'll see them a few weeks later and definitely you'll see them a month or two later. So you have an idea of, of what they bring to the table, but even a few weeks or a month or two later in the NBA can change things because their guys go in and out of their rotation. Guys get hurt. Other players step up. They look better in practice. Teams actually get practice time and figure other things out. So it's, it's tough to gauge throughout the regular season. And it, when a, a series is set up in the playoffs where you know that you're going to be playing the same team for the next four to seven games, you can manipulate things the way you want them to be. And that's, that's where it, it really coaching comes into play. And the best player often is the one that, te- that wins the game, especially if he has a good supporting cast. We know that LeBron James is still considered the best player on the floor in most games throughout the NBA. So it, it's really going to be up to guys like Kyrie Irving, like it was last year, to step up and, and win a series like that. So not saying that those two teams are going to be there, because I, I do think that you have to play it out. And especially in the Western Conference, there's competition to get to the finals. Uh, but uh, the point is that a, a series – is definitely different than a Monday night uh, in the NBA or Monday afternoon, whatever, whatever time that game was, because they had games throughout the day yesterday. Um, 
section, right? Go. Because it, it's been for years, like, oh, well, no hope in the East. Like you like you just said, especially in the West, there are teams who can challenge the Warriors. Uh, and, and it's like, no hope in the East. But then you, you look at the East, and it's like Toronto is two games back uh, of the Cavs. The Celtics are two games back of them. The Cavs have not been nearly as good overall this year. Anyway, I know people feel like they're coasting, but it's not like LeBron is, is not playing. And, yeah, maybe he can hit that height. But the, but eventually there's going to be a year where they where they can't do it anymore, right? They can't go back to the finals no. again. There's certainly it's, hope in the East. There's certainly hope in the East. Toronto has shown already this season that they are right right there with Cleveland and that they're playing well night in, night out. I believe in Toronto this year for sure. Just what they've shown against in a couple of games against the Celtics and a couple other games that I've seen of theirs, they look good. Um, I also believe in Indiana if they can figure it out a little bit better than they had at the beginning of the season. They look better as as of late, but they're not winning road games. That team is struggling on the road. So I, I just I wouldn't be surprised if they figured it out and, and were able to make some noise in the playoffs and knock off a top seed in the first round. So I'd be, I'd be worried about Indiana if I were Toronto or Boston. Maybe not so much Cleveland, but in, who knows? They they have the, the, the talent to, to challenge the Cavs. I just don't know if they'd be able to win a series. So there there are more options this year than in, in past years, but the Western Conference is still loaded. And any one of those teams in the top three or four would have a decent shot at knocking off the Warriors. Uh, I think San Antonio and Houston, and that's probably about it for, in my opinion. But uh, well, I mean, aside from Chris Paul being injured on the Clippers, Blake Griffin's supposed to be coming back soon. You, you don't, you don't actually believe in in what Utah's doing right now, or Memphis, what they do every year. You think they're just they're just going to still choke? You don't think Russell Russell Westbrook can find a way to to muster up the effort to knock off the Warriors in the first round or something like that? You don't believe in any of those teams? Okay, so so Utah, I believe in in theory. I just, I'm, I strongly adhere to the, the playoff experience theory, and I think that's why I, that's why I sort of believe in Toronto a little more this year than I did last year, because they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and, you know, they, granted, they got blown out in several of those games, but they did take the Cavs to six games, and they, they just feel like a more battle test. Because, well, as I said before, playoff basketball is sort of an entirely different thing than regular season basketball. Um, I, I sort of I don't feel that way about Utah yet. They're not they're not battle tested yet when it comes to playoff time. They're they're ripe to be probably upset in the first round, depending on what the matchup is. The Clippers, I just think, don't match up well with the Warriors, straight up, and. Uh, the other team you mentioned was Memphis. I just don't think they have enough firepower. All right, even if Chandler Parsons comes back and is healthy. No, I mean I think I think we've seen what happens when Memphis. All right, fair plays enough. The war. Fair enough. Fair enough. <clears throat> let's uh, let's move on. It's almost ten o'clock here in the Eastern Time Zone, and we are way behind. You want to talk about Carmelo Anthony and we say him saying that he doesn't want to uh, be traded and he's not going to waive his no trade clause. He's in New York. That's it. Nah, I was just going to bitch more about Bill Jackson. Bill Jackson's the worst. All right. Fair enough. But you do want to talk about some NFL stuff, so let's move on to that because congratulations, Calvin. You, as a uh, resident of Los Angeles, are you've been awarded 
another NFL franchise. Can you believe it? You're going to have two NFL franchises. It's going to be one of the most amazing things that you've ever you've ever seen in your life. It's just going to be so wonderful. You're going to have so much fun. You're going to have two NFL teams. I love that you just remembered your friends. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is. But case, really, I can you believe it? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just a testament to greed on a level that's that's just utterly fascinating. Look, Murray, we have the Rams already. Nobody here <laughs> likes the Rams. Nobody wants the Rams. Nobody cares about the Rams. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say nobody, but almost <laughs> nobody. We come down to the percentage. The Rams are are certainly more popular in St. Louis uh, than they, you know, than they are here in Los Angeles. The Chargers, <laughs> absolutely. The, the Chargers are from, from a city called San Diego. You heard? Have you heard of the city? I have I heard of the you, city. Actually, I've been to the city, and I I do enjoy that city. However, uh, I I suppose that most of my time was spent on the beach or near the beach uh, when I was there. So maybe I can't speak for the city as a as a whole. No, you could speak for the city as a whole because San Diego's an, an awesome city to be in. There's no question San Diego's an awesome city. That's not where I'm going. But but the people of San Diego, they hate L.A. They don't like us. Uh-huh. We're, we are completely... Like a basically, Well, basically everyone in California hates L.A. And we're yeah. essentially ambivalent, ambivalent to all these teams, all these areas that hate us. It's, it might be a similar dynamic to what's going on in Boston, although I suspect that Maine or whatever is particularly worships Boston. That's not oh, yeah. Day. No, Maine, Maine is happy about the New England Patriots. The people in Maine love the Red Sox. Uh, the Celtics are, are really the only team for people in Maine. It's it's really when you start getting out towards Vermont and Connecticut, uh, maybe a little bit into Rhode Island, you'll start seeing Yankee fans and Knicks fans and uh, Giants fans and Bills fans and all this, right? But pretty much New Hampshire and Maine go New England, Boston, and that's that's kind of the way it is, I guess, for the most part. All right, fair enough. But again, San Diego hates Los Angeles. Los Angeles, full of Raider fans. Not full of Raider fans. It's really every team. But if if there was if if there was a team that you could single out as the team of Los Angeles, there's no question that ultimately it probably would be the Raiders. Okay. Which means every time there's a game in San Diego, including the Raider game this season, the, uh, the Raider fans outnumbered the uh, Charger fans in their own stadium 70% to 30%. So. <laughs> it sounds like the old yeah. Red Sox Orioles rivalry where the Red Sox would go down to Baltimore and a bunch of Red Sox fans would show up and sell out their stadium. And, I, and I, frankly, I can't blame the city of San Diego or the, or the people of San Diego from turning on the truck on the Chargers, because the thing is, is like, they were willing to, to cop up the money for a new stadium. Los Angeles, we're not coughing up the money for anything. You know, we're unwilling to pay a single dime of taxpayer money for any stadium ever, which is why the teams left here in the first place. And the only reason why these teams came back is for land value. That's it. Mm-hmm. The, the property value of of being Spanos' Chargers by just by moving them from San Diego to Los Angeles, essentially like you know doubles the value of the team for whatever he wants to sell it. Even though they're going to play, I don't know if you know this, Murray, but in in order to sort of 
uh, create the fiction that the Chargers and Rams are popular teams. Uh, while their stadium is going to be played, uh, I'm sorry, while their stadium is being built, they're going to play the next two seasons uh, in this place called the StubHub Center. Now, the StubHub Center really is notable for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do know what that thing is because I heard this story and I think it's hilarious. Uh they're they're playing in an MLS stadium, aren't they? A soccer stadium. They are they, they are, but the, but that's not the funny thing about it. The funny thing about it is in in the Stub Hub Center there are thirty seven thousand seats. Thirty seven thousand uh, that's that's roughly I don't know, at best two thirds of, of a real NFL stadium. At best. At best, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot easier to so, – so here's what's going to happen. The Chargers and the Rams are going to play – and by the way, it's like in the middle of nowhere to the Stubhub Center, but that's, it's actually on the campus of a college. Which I, I've been to a, a Galaxy game there. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, you, have to, you have to, like, park at the college and sort of, like, wade through the college to get to the What is it, like UC uh, Santa Barbara? What college is it? Um, it's like, uh, I, it's like a community college. It's not a major college. Oh, it's I not even a major college. It's just interesting. It doesn't matter what name it is. Then they, they just, it's a professional sporting, uh, stadium on a college campus. They're probably paying that college thousands of dollars, if not millions to, to rent that space. Yeah. So it, it's just funny because the parking is on the other side. It's like, the parking lot is on one side, and you have to, like, wander through the halls of the class. Uh, I'm, granted, the game's going to be on Sunday, so it's not really a big deal. It's just funny. And just to just get to the stadium. Anyway, the point is, is like, this game is these, – these stadiums are going to look like they're full. It, it's going to create the illusion that L.A. is, like, backing the Chargers. But nobody cares. And more importantly, like, we don't – look, we don't care. We didn't care about the Rams. Now there's a second team. One of these teams is going to end up being the, the B squad of Los Angeles. And considering the fact that the Rams are going to own the new stadium, it's probably going to be the Chargers. All right? So, so they're, they're screwing over their, their place where, like, they're beloved. They're basically San, uh, San Diego's only sports franchise. It's their identity. And – the Chargers move here. Did you see the the logo they could they like put out on Twitter before it was deleted? I did not. Unfortunately, I did not. Uh, but uh, I'll look for that for that. All I know is that Philip Rivers doesn't want to go either. He asked to be traded. So. Yeah. Well, uh, he he did before, but I, I, or did he did he make the demand? I didn't see it, but I know. Uh, I, th- I, I heard that I heard that he made the uh, the demand and that he wanted. Um, say in who the general manager was going to be and who the coach was going to be uh, because he didn't want to leave San Diego and he wanted to be traded to San Francisco specifically is what the headlines were uh, they were saying on the radio today but who knows how credible that is I know a, a year and a half or so ago when they were talking about moving he was making some trade demands and then he ended up backing off of them and saying that he'd be willing to go uh, he was actually making retirement threats is what he was doing a year and a half ago. Like, if you move, I'm retiring immediately. But, um, yeah, he sort of backed off that. I would imagine he probably is coming to L.A. or or I would have heard something different by now. Um, in any case, so the, when they first announced their move, uh, they, they, like, went on Twitter and posted this new logo. And the logo – was like the, it, it was a copy of the L.A. Dodgers logo, like with the Dodger blue, and then like just the A of the L.A. 
being like having like a lightning bolt on the end of it. And he got so much criticism for being a, like a direct Dodgers ripoff that they <laughs> they deleted that tweet and then they posted another one that sort of looks like their San Diego Charger font. But, but they're like, all right, here's in. the backup. What do you think about the backup? Yeah. <laughs> Jerks. It's just the worst. And it's just like, now I'm going to have to deal with stupid Charger fans who weren't Charger fans before. I know some people who are Charger fans. I'm going to keep, I'm keeping track. If anyone I, if anyone I know just suddenly starts repping, like what happened with the Rams, several girls who, uh, you know, not to be sexist or anything, but it's just been girls mostly who weren't, who weren't Rams fans before all of a sudden showing up in Rams gear. They're going to feel the butt of my shame. I see Chargers fans coming out. You're, you're going to get some heat from me. I'm going to, I'm going to grill you on Stan Humphreys. I'm going to grill you on, uh, Drew Brees. I'm going to grill you on, uh, Kellen Brees, Jr. That's a good one. That's a good one. How many, how many yeah. Chargers fans can tell you what Drew Brees meant to the, the franchise? What do you think? Yeah. In oh, we'll LA. find out. We'll, we'll find we'll out find soon out. enough. Yeah. They're going to get grilled on Sean Merriman. They're getting grilled. All right. I can't wait. I, I can't wait for Calvin to start grilling people. Isn't everybody so excited about this? I know I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. In any case. Um, yes. I was trying to find out whether – this Philip Rivers thing was real, and I still don't see anything. Um, like, I'm looking on ESPN just to try and confirm what those radio guys were talking about today, and it looks looks like uh, they were just reporting random BS or something. But I don't see anything. I don't see anything official about this. So maybe I'm not looking in the right place. But I did just see that logo, so... Uh, <laughs> That that certainly that certainly made made it worthwhile. Anyway, um, let's let's get into some Patriots talk. How do how do, how do you feel about that? Let's do it. So we're, I don't know how you you feel about this. Um, I saw you know I love calling out colleagues. I saw uh, Sean Backey on Facebook. Sort of, sort of flexing, flexing his Facebook muscles with the, hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. What do the haters have to say now? Uh, but I got to be honest with you, I don't think the Patriots look very good in beating Houston. I don't think they look good at all. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Do you think I'm so? Uh, I don't think you're crazy, uh, but I will say that I, I think I think that it's all about execution, and they didn't look good this week, but. If they come in with a better mindset next week, uh, and hopefully Martellus Bennett is not completely injured, and I think that he took a he had a rough hit the other day, but they need and so they need him to be relatively healthy anyway. If he's playing well and they all come with a better mindset, then they'll they'll be fine, and I think they will they'll beat the Steelers because Houston for 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 all that people say about. Uh, the Patriots being well coached and all this, and they're looking at Bill O'Brien from the Houston sideline and saying, "Oh, look, they they have they have they've exposed the Patriots. They've shown people the the blueprint for the Patriots, right?" I, I think that the Patriots just needed to play a little bit better. They didn't. I think that they looked at Houston and said, "Ah, oh, we're going to beat these guys. 
It doesn't matter. And the hype was so big throughout the week around here. You, you, can't, you have no idea. There was not a single person on any radio station in Boston or anywhere that I could see that was picking Houston to win this game. Not a single person. Everybody was Patriots. It was unanimous. The Patriots were going to win. They were going to romp them. The guys, beat writers for the Patriots were saying they were going to win by 40. Like this, it's, it, it got to the point where they just they got their, their tires inflated a little too much. Houston was better than people thought they were. And the Pats still won the game. So they, as a group, need to come with a little bit more focus next week. And if they do that, I think they're going to be fine because I think they are the better team as compared to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The only, the only thing I'd be concerned with, and it's the thing I've been concerned with throughout the season, is the Steelers' big, play, big playability. Like if the Patriots go to the Super Bowl and they play Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, I might even pick the Packers because I feel like the, the Pats give up too many big plays at, at times, and they have the tendency to, to give, give one up here or there that just breaks their back. Uh, so if the timing is right for Big Ben and Antonio Brown, they could find a way to try and sneak away with a victory here. I just don't see it happening because I think if the Pats' offense is healthy, then they're going to be able to score more than Pittsburgh, and a couple of big plays is not going to win the game. So otherwise, I don't think there's a formula to, to, to beat the Patriots. I think it's all about execution in the NFL, and they just need to be more focused this week, and they'll be all right. Oh no, it's it's. I know it's early right now, but I'll I'll take the NFC team in the Super Bowl. I think I think based on matchups, regardless of which team it is. But that we can get to that later on. Uh, I agree with you that the Patriots are going to beat Pittsburgh, and the main reason why is uh, sort of the opposite of what you said. Yeah, it's it's good to be concerned about Pittsburgh's big playability, but if I was a Steelers fan, I'd be concerned about the Steelers' small playability. Because the Patriots, you like what I did there? The Patriots have the uh, well. That's what I'm saying. It's not a couple of big plays is not going to win the game for them. Well, no. But what I'm saying is, I watched that game against Kansas City last week. They got, they got inside, and Kansas City's defense they, they they forced a lot of turnovers. But in terms of like being a good like, they have a lot of gamblers on the on the, that defense, and they uh, you know they picked off Ben Roethlisberger one time. But they're also a defense that gives up a lot of yards. And, you know, can give up touchdowns, but the Steelers stalled out six times inside the 35-yard line. I, I don't I – mean, it could be – I think the Steelers don't really have uh, good tight end play. You know, they obviously – it seems like they've gone away from throwing the uh, dump-off pass underneath to Le'Veon Bell in the last couple of weeks. He's been focused you – know, even though he's been awesome, he's mostly just – he's mostly seems, in my opinion, to be a runner. Um I just feel like Antonio Brown, as quick as he is and as good as he is down the field, uh, it, it seems like, um, you know, in that short game. Got you. Yeah, he got me. Mitch and, but, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. He's, he's good, but, like, guys like Eli Rogers and, and Darius Haywood Bay, are those guys are burners, and I don't think they're, they're possession receivers. They don't really have... Uh, a lot of you know big weapons in in the red zone, and I think that their drives are going to stall out consistently. Whereas the Patriots are like, I think the Steelers will probably end up having more yards than the Patriots in the game. I'm just going to predict that now, but they won't have as many points. Kind of like that. All right, I like it. 
that means the Patriots move on. That means the Patriots will see someone in the Super Bowl. So I, I don't know if you want to have any discussion about Antonio Brown's Facebook status, but I want to first oh, yeah. see what you think about uh, the other side of things in the NFC, and then we can get to, get back to him. Uh, how do you feel about this game? Does Atlanta choke again, or or is Green Bay really too much of a machine? Is that the way it's going to go, or do they do the Falcons find a way to uh, to pull out the victory here? Um, you know, this game feels hard to predict to me just because I feel like it's going to be along the lines of, you know, thirty-eight, thirty-four, something, something along those. I don't think either it's team have can really to be. stop. I, I think it, it's going to come down to uh, whether or not Green Bay can stop Atlanta's running game. But one thing Green Bay's defense does really well is stop the run. And, and, and I think if you can make Atlanta more one-dimensional, uh, maybe you can slow them down. They're going to be playing in the, in Atlanta, so the, the weather's not going to be a problem. They're playing indoors. I, you know, the noise might be might be an issue for Aaron Rodgers, but I just I can't. I can't doubt Aaron Rodgers' ability to succeed at this point, no matter who his receivers are. But I, but I can doubt Green Bay's defense. So I guess what I'm, I'm I guess if I had to make a pick, I would, I, I, I guess I'm gonna have to go with Green Bay, but just ever so slightly. So, you, you said the home field advantage is not really gonna be a factor, you don't think? And uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like that's probably true, just because. If it was flipped, people would be talking about being outside in the cold and all the all this stuff. And I just I feel like domes are usually a, an easier place to play for everyone. But who knows? Maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers won't be able to make any as many calls at the at the line as he normally does. Maybe he won't be able to get guys to jump off sides like he tries to do. He, he's full of trickery, right? So uh, who knows? Uh, I'm going with the Packers on this one. Get me upset. I just think they're on too much of a roll. I, they've played extremely well since uh, Rogers said that they were going to run the table, and they have done that so far. They've not lost since he since that infamous quote has been floated around out there, and uh, they just they they look good. So I'm going with the Packers to go to the Super Bowl. It's going to be a rematch of Bill Parcells uh, as the Patriots coach going up against Mike Holmgren with the Packers way back when. Can we uh, can we take a little time to talk about Aaron Rodgers specifically? Because I I made this argument and you're you're probably going to disagree with me, but I, I'm I'm curious to know what you think. Look, just watching him this season and you know in in these playoff games, it, 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 I'm not saying. Look, I, I feel like there's several ways to to look at this. It, basically, what I'm trying to say is. Aaron Rodgers is is the best quarterback that I've ever seen play football. And the reason why I say that is I'm not saying he's the best in terms of results. Okay, Tom Brady is obviously that. I think Peyton Manning is the smartest quarterback I've ever seen. You know what I mean? In terms of like mm-hmm. reading and figuring out what to do. But just in terms of like what and like Tom Brady is the awesome quarterback, but if you if you look at Obviously, early on in his, in Listen, his career, you don't, you don't have to you don't have to pump up Tom Brady and, and defend him in this situation because the, I can see that you're trying to separate the different qualities into not necessarily silos, but you're uh, I think you're qualifying more different qualities higher. You're, you're giving more weight to certain 
qualities of a quarterback, and I don't blame you for that. So continue on, and then I'll, I'll uh, retort here. Okay, so what I'm getting at is as good as as good as Brady is, as good as Peyton Manning is, as good as Joe Montana is, like none of none of those guys were more accurate with a football down the field, okay, with, with fucking oh, sorry, with precision accuracy. So yeah, I can't pass for some reason. Uh, I don't know what just happened to me. Uh, with precision accuracy, been able to move in and out of the pocket. Like have that sort of awareness at all times, and in, in, in gotten down the field and gotten to receivers who, with the exception of, of Jordy Nelson, and even he is you know not an all-time elite NFL receiver, has not really he's never had his Randy Moss. You know what I mean? Like he, he's he's played with guys for the most part are are not that great. The Packers defense mostly not that good, and you can say yeah he's only won one Super Bowl, but it, but. You, you want to look at all those games. You can't really find a game in which Aaron Rodgers was at fault for why the Packers lost. They've lost multiple games in overtime. Okay, they they played. He's played well in almost every playoff game he's played in. His rating has been good, and I just think that he. I didn't. This really big picture comes down to like, like how important are res, our team results when we're talking about individual greatness. That. I think I think you're right, and I was having this argument with a diehard Patriots fan just the other day, and, and he he th- he thinks that Tom Brady is, is the end-all, be-all, best quarterback ever. And if you're talking about Super Bowls and you're talking about crunch time victories and winning in the Super Bowl, then fine. That's, that's, that's all well and good. That's great. But to me, if you say Tom Brady, you need to then – refer to Bill Belichick in the next sentence that you speak. I don't care what you're talking about because the two of them go together. Okay. It, it doesn't matter what Brady did individually. It doesn't matter what Belichick did individually. You are going to tie these two guys together for the rest of your life, for the rest of their careers. That's just the way it's going to be. And um, unless Brady retires and Belichick goes on to win more Super Bowls as a coach or uh, vice versa, Brady decides to leave the Patriots and and wins a Super Bowl and Belichick doesn't, then they're always going to be tied together. So if you're looking at best quarterback ever, there's an argument to be made about other players other than Tom Brady, just pure quarterback ability. And Aaron Rodgers has one of the best arms I've ever seen because, like you said, he has pinpoint accuracy 60 yards downfield, 50 yards downfield, not 60, but – 45, 50 yards downfield, maybe 60, who knows. He's chucking the ball, and it's going exactly where he needs it to be 65, 70% of the time, which is extremely extremely accurate for someone like that. So, he, I mean, I just – I don't know how he does it, and he seems to just get better as the season goes goes on. As the season progresses, he gets better. So, I'm with you. And he he's, he's mobile, too. He can run. He's he's just an excellent quarterback right now, and he's he's just getting better. So, I, I would not be surprised if he does go down as one of the the top quarterbacks in NFL history. He's already up there as far as the numbers are are concerned. If he keeps it going, he's uh, which he's very likely to do. You have to make the argument for it. So I'm with you, Calvin. I mean, he's 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 looked amazing right now. And I'm, if you ask me, who who do you want? to lead your team to Super Bowl victory this season right now, 
I'm going with Rodgers because the, his potential is much higher than Tom Brady uh, across the league. If you put a coach with that and you want to put tie the two together, I'm taking Belichick and Brady every time over McCarthy and Rodgers for the most part. Even though just well, yeah. earlier I said that I might I might be leaning toward Green Bay in that game. I think if the Patriots get there and, and they look good this weekend, I just I think that their game plan is going to be better, and that's that's where execution comes down to it. And they're the more disciplined team overall, and that's why I think they would ultimately win the game. But it would be a tough one because Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. So quarterback against quarterback, I'm going Rodgers. If you tie a coach to it, I'm probably not. I guess I just I just want to separate just to some degree in the NFL, and we only do this with quarterbacks. By the way, we don't decide like we don't. Nobody's like, hey, how many how many championships does Calvin Johnson have? Oh, zero. Okay, so he's not a top ten wide receiver of all time. Nobody does. Nobody does that. It's only somehow the quarterback is held to be single. And I understand that he's the most responsible for success, but it's it's not on the level that it is in the NBA, where like you if you're a truly transcendent player. You then then you can will your team to a championship. Yeah, you can do you can kind of do that in the NFL. And Aaron, by the way, Aaron Rodgers has a championship, but Tom Brady again, he's the most successful quarterback of all time. If you if we had that argument, then then you know he and Joe Montana are it, right? And I guess Terry Bradshaw. Those are the guys you can argue. But I would take Brady Brady and Montana over Bradshaw because. In terms of uh, he wasn't successful in terms of how he, like his actual numbers, but the point is, like success and like talent are not necessarily one to one. Now they're close, and it's not like he's been. If you want to point out, look how bad he's been in the playoffs, but nobody makes that argument. If he hasn't been bad, he just hasn't won due to circumstances beyond his control. Because yes, you're right, he doesn't have Bill Belichick. So Bill Belichick matters in that equation. If he had Bill Belichick, you know Absolutely. how many rings would he have? That's what that's what I was saying the other night. Like yeah. if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Patriots or Belichick on the Packers instead of the coaches that they've had over the years, back and forth, you have to feel that that tandem would probably be better than Belichick and Brady. And I know that's blasphemy around here. People will call me a heretic or whatever, but the point is. I think it's true. Rodgers is a better quarterback. You have to acknowledge the, the guys that are better. Brady is excellent in this system, but I have to believe that Bill Belichick is a good enough coach to be able to take a talent like Aaron Rodgers and build a system around him that's better than the one he has right now because Rodgers is a better quarterback, period. What? Well, I think if they had Aaron Rodgers, they wouldn't be running the sort of pseudo-West Coast offense that they're running right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, they would build a system like, around Rodgers. Yeah. And it would be yeah, better than like, the one that Green yeah. Bay has built. Oh, definitely. And it, it'd probably be better than the one that the Patriots have right now. And that's not even a that's, slide yeah, against Brady. I agree. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, obviously, Brady's older now, and his arm strength isn't what it was. But he was never a downfield quarterback the way, in the, in the sense that Rodgers is right now anyway, except for, you know, the, the, the brief period of time when they had Randy Moss. Right. Anyway. No, Brady. Brady's Brady's arm is he's definitely lost it right now, and like you said, in his prime, he was. They were still a slow, uh, not not slow, but they, they were a quick offense. But it's uh, quick hitters. It was a six yard gain, right. seven yard gain, first down, five yard gain, six yard gain, first down. Uh, that, that's that's the way they would do it, and he was he's a master at that. Rogers doesn't want to do that. Right. He's not going to do that. 
he wants to have some big plays. He wants to air it out a little bit. He wants to get on the run. But th- his athletic ability allows him to do that, you know, so he's making the most of it. Brady is a game a game manipulator. He's a game master, and he's one of the best strategists in the game, but some of that's attributed to Bill Belichick as well. So the two of them have made a, a serious combination over the, over the years, and it's very difficult to beat them. And they are definitely Hall of Famers. They're going to go down as two of the best to ever do what they do in the NFL. But the point right now I, is that we think that Rodgers is the better quarterback. So, sorry to anyone yeah. out there that is, is a Brady lover or a, a Patriots honk. Uh, we still think the Pats are going to win the game if, if it comes down to that. I don't know if you do, Calvin, but I do, if it were to be that in the Super Bowl. Um, but No, I think Brady's biggest uh, strength is quick reads, which is it's, it's really, like, allowed him – to extend his prime in, to to an extent where I'm not sure Rodgers could do that just because so much of his greatness is it hinges on his athleticism and arm strength. Well, well, so maybe his prime will be shorter than Brady's. It almost certainly will, and that that I, I guess is a counter argument in terms of longevity. But I just I just think in terms of prime talent, it's hard to get better than Aaron Rodgers. All right, you have anything yeah, you want to say about Antonio Brown or or what? Yeah, real quick. So, did you see? Have they not been talking about this New England? I'm just wondering. Oh yes, of course, uh, of course they have. Yes, they've definitely been talking about it here. It's been sort of a sort of a side note on most shows, as far as I can see. Okay, good. Because what I was wondering is, so Antonio Brown streams uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, post game uh, sort of locker room talk to the team, uh, talking about, and he says. Uh, about the Patriots that the NFL has given those a-holes an extra day and a half to prepare, which is hilarious to me, as if, like, the NFL is a team that screwed the Steelers over by creating a a storm that forced the the Steelers' uh, Chiefs game to be moved to to the (laughs) nighttime. It's it's just hilarious to me. But, uh, so, yeah, he's like, the NFL's given them an extra day and a half to prepare. So, you know, we're behind the eight ball in I personally, I find I get why he's angry at Antonio Brown for videotaping a, a press conference. In, oh, I'm sorry, a, a lot. Like, so wait, quick, quickly on that Tomlin thing. Uh, uh, there are some conspiracies out there that the NFL actually moved the game because it's a better primetime game uh, had the Steelers not been there. I don't understand what you mean. What do you mean? It's like had the Steelers not been going to Kansas City, had they lost in the divisional round, uh, the NFL would have just left it as is and that the storm had nothing to do with it. And that, uh, the only reason they moved it to prime time was because pe- people would watch the Steelers. Oh, as opposed to, uh, a, a Dolphins, uh, I guess yeah. it would have been Dolphins Patriots in that situation, right? It would have been Houston, Houston, Kansas city. Exactly. Wow. Had Houston been... gone to Kansas city, they would have left the game as is. And that's, that was, that's, that's a little conspiracy theory that was floated out there that I heard today that I thought was pretty silly. So I figured I'd yeah. about it because we, I mean, we know how I feel about yeah. those. It's hard to project the exact timing of the storm a week counted a week in advance. Right. So I'm really yes. like, down that conspiracy theory a little bit to me. And I think if the NFL really, if the NFL really was going to do that, then they would have scheduled, they would have just scheduled the game uh, for eight o'clock Eastern in advance, rather than sort of 
put everybody out by setting it and scheduling it in the morning and then moving it at the very last second. Yeah. Night. So, uh, but yeah. So Tomlin was mad at Antonio Brown, and rightfully so, although I think in the end it's relatively harmless and hilarious. But I, I was just wondering if, you know, if it's, do you, do you think it's bulletin board material over in New England? Because sort of the coverage that I've seen yeah. of it is making it out like, oh, Tomlin calls uh, Patriots a-holes. But really, he was just using the word a-hole to, like, fill in for those. Like, he, I feel like he could have said that about any team. Like, that wasn't Patriot-specific. He was just talking <laughs> it's, about It's funny, that. like, so when I first saw this, the, 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 I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. I, I just uh, read an article about it, and the article even blurred out the word. They, they didn't say what the word was, so I was just picturing words in my mind, and I was coming up with all sorts of different words until I heard today that it was a-holes. I was like, oh, that's what he called them? All right, I guess that's he, – he would be saying that about Buffalo. He'd be saying that about Miami. He'd be saying about whoever he was, they were facing the next week. It's, it's not that big of a deal. And surprisingly, the media around here, is, they don't seem to be treating it as a big deal. They don't seem to care about what Mike Tomlin said. They're actually praising him for uh, for – doing what he did today and, and saying that they were going to punish Antonio Brown in a way. But I, I feel like Bill Belichick will try and use that as built bulletin board material. Not necessarily, hey, look, they called us a-holes, but more like, hey, guys, look, Mike Tomlin's mouthing off again. They think they're going to come in here and knock us off. It doesn't matter what he said. He's just talking trash. Let's go put him in his place and, and focus in, uh, on what we need to do and execute better than them and win the game and shut him up. Because I feel like the, the Patriots don't take kindly to anyone just mouthing off and disrespecting them, regardless of the words that are coming out of that person's mouth. The, he could have been extremely polite in that, in that tirade and said something along the lines of those gentlemen in New England are horrible at their their jobs, we will overtake them greatly, and they will ne- never see the light of day again. And Bill Belichick would say, look at him, he's disrespecting us. Go out and get the job done. And it, it, So the, the point is that they will try and use that as bulletin board material, but not because of the words, just because of the idea that Tomlin thinks the Steelers are better than the Patriots, and I think they take a lot of pride in, in being uh, the best at, at what they can be. And that's, that's why they've been so, so successful over the last 10, 15 years, even though some people yeah. would, uh, would say that they've choked at, at times towards the ends of those seasons. Yeah. It was, again, just funny to me because I, 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 I think that he was that like the, that speech was him being mad at the NFL. It almost had nothing to do with the Patriots. He's just yeah. like, they the NFL screwed us over by putting us in this position. Uh, and look at look at this other team. He basically is substituting the word a hole for this other team that we're playing. Right. Like he could have been anybody. I think if he had said like, look, these this, these cheers have gotten a week and a half, then I you know or, or an extra day and a half. Yeah. Rather, I, yeah then it'd be bulletin board material. If he said anything right. about them specifically, but I think it was just a substitution that like I, people on ESPN at least are taking far too seriously. I'm glad in New England's not overreacting so much. Nope, I don't think they are over, overreacting over here, not in the media anyway. So we'll see what the Patriots do when they come out uh, against the Steelers in the AFC Championship. That's going to be something to look forward to. And uh, that's going to do it for us tonight, though. We're right up against it yet again, Calvin, another 90 minutes. RIP, yeah. George Michael, one more time. Good night, everybody, and uh, have a have a great 
evening and maybe a January. Who knows when we're going to be back again? We, you never know, Calvin. Hopefully soon. We'll be next week. Hopefully. Good night, everyone.